Thank you for listening and subscribing to the Anchor Church podcast. It is our desire at the Anchor to provide a place for you to know God, find freedom, discover your God-given purpose, and ultimately make a difference in the world around you. Each week, the Anchor podcast features Sunday sermon. You can follow along in this podcast episode and read the sermon notes on our website by visiting theanchor.me. Now, let's get into the Word. Amen. Y'all doing all right? Yeah. Man, it's so good to see everybody today. All you brave warriors out here that shovel through five feet of snow, y'all are amazing. That's maybe a little bit of exaggeration from an Alabama boy. Anyways, all right. It's good to see you guys today. Listen, uh, for the next few minutes, I actually want to share a message that to some of you guys in this room, it may seem, uh, you know, very basic, something that you've known for a while. For others in the room, it may seem new. Uh, Wherever you land on that spectrum, uh, I would just simply encourage you to lean in. I think God uh, wants to say something to every single one of us in this room. Uh, I'll say it this way. I don't know about you, but sometimes I think it's good to kind of recenter on the heart of things and get back to what God's really called us to do. Amen. So that's why we're going to do for the next few minutes. And uh, to get the ball rolling, I actually want to begin by reading a short passage of scripture out of Matthew chapter 6. Matthew chapter 6. Most of you guys know uh, this is where the Sermon on the Mount is. And I want to pick it up in verse 25. So if you can, look with me if you can. Here we go. It says in verse 25, it says, therefore I tell you, do not worry. Somebody say worry. Don't worry about your life, what you will eat or drink, or about your body. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothes? Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow, reap, or store away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? Can any one of you, by worrying, add a single hour to your life? And why do you worry about clothes? See how the flowers of the fields grow. They do not labor or spin. Yet I tell you that not even Solomon in all his splendor was dressed like one of these. If that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today, tomorrow is thrown into a fire, will he not much more clothe yourself, you of little faith? Says who did not worry. Somebody say worry. Saying, what shall we eat or what shall we drink or what shall we wear? For the pagans run after these things. It says, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them. Watch this. But seek first. That literally means, but continually seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. And all these things, like food, drink, clothing, they will be given to you as well. Now listen, before we move on, I want to just collectively, real quick, uh, read verse 33 together again, super loud. Can y'all do that with me? Here we go, let's go. It says, but seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. Great verse, amen? So listen, when we take those nine verses and we kind of pull back, like what do we think Jesus is actually trying to talk to us about like what's the main point that he's trying to get across for starters I believe that he is pointing out to every one of us that we have a natural tendency as humans to worry before we pray the second thing and I think this is maybe even more important is that Jesus is obviously making it clear that you and I try to obtain things even the basic necessity of life apart from him somebody say independent So listen, an attempt to persuade us to think and act differently, to not worry first, to not be independent first. Uh, What's he doing? He's simply trying to remind us that our Heavenly Father, A, loves and values us more than anything else. Secondly, he's doing what? To tell us that he already knows exactly what you and I have need of. 
way before we even ask and way before we even know it. And lastly, he's saying that the Father actually desires to give those things to us rather than withhold them. How many of you guys know that's good news? Amen. But here's the caveat to all of that. If we want to see uh, all of that come to pass in our life, we got to do something. Jesus said we got to seek first. Right? If I could put another language to it, then we got to pray first. Then we got to pray first. So listen, with those words in mind, this morning we're going to begin a, a new five-part series simply entitled Pray First. So the underlining thought here, and I just want to maybe, if you can give me grace, to expand what Jesus was saying there in, in Matthew chapter 6, that it's kind of like this, that more often than not, uh, we tend to, yes, worry first, like he said, but we tend to fall into fear first. We tend to lust first. We tend to get angry first. We tend to say what we shouldn't first. We get discouraged and depressed first. We run to the refrigerator first, right? We spend money that we shouldn't first, right? We click on the image first. We turn to a substance first. We dive into Netflix first, right? We run to social media and public opinion first. We run to our family and our friends first. Y'all hear me today. We submerge ourselves into our work first. We compare ourselves to others first. We judge a situation or a person first. We gossip first. We become envious and jealous first. I'm trying to get everybody in the room. Listen, we, 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 we grumble and complain first. We get prideful first. We get offended first. We try to complete the task or the job first we make life-altering decisions first we jump into a new relationship first we give into temptation first in other words Jesus is pointing out that you and I uh, have this uh, habit to react out of our emotions and we have this tendency to make life decisions before we pray that's all he's saying right and I know none of you guys have ever done any of that like, you've never done a single one of those things. Yeah. Listen, uh, Wednesday night, I was, I was sitting in a financial peace class, and uh, right before we were wrapping up the class, uh, Mr. Dave, our facilitator, he asked a single question. He, he asked basically the, the handful of us people that were in the room if any of us have ever regretted a purchase we've made. Like, what a loaded question, right? Like, have you ever regretted a purchase you've made? Yeah, like 150,000 of them, right? Whatever it is, what it is. But, but listen, immediately when he asked that question, my mind went back to mine and Jennifer's first year of marriage. We, we had a couple of friends tell us about this amazing gym that was in our town, and they encouraged us to go check it out. So, uh, you know, whatever, like good friends do. A couple of days later, we, we dropped into that gym, and, and very quickly, like in five minutes, we, we were swept into this uh, slick sales pitch, right, telling us about this once-in-a-lifetime deal, right, that, that could only be offered today if you signed the dotted line, right? So, uh, of course, being caught up in all the excitement of how this facility, uh, you know, could help us attain, obtain the bodies that we had always dreamed of, right? Like, wow, right? We, we readily signed that dotted line. Um, the only problem was is when the excitement wore off. Y'all know that feeling, right? When the excitement wore off, we remembered we were broke. Yeah, like I only brought home, I don't know, like $900 a month. She worked at this little bakery and made a couple hundred dollars a month. And so the problem was, is when we stopped and we looked at our bills and realized, you know what, our rent's $500 a month. Our car payment's $400 a month. 
Our tithe is about $150 a month. We always gave, you know, offering on top of that. We also had two kids that we sponsored, one through Compassion, another one through World Vision. And then there was our utility bill. Then there was gas in the car. And, yeah, we got to eat, too. Are y'all doing the math here? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Listen, we didn't have enough money in the bank to go to McDonald's, much less sign the dotted line for a three-year gym membership. Talk about a whole lot of stupid, right? What a dumb decision, right? So, so listen, once I, I realized I made a mistake, uh, what did I do? I tried to get out of it like anybody would, right? Uh, to which they gladly denied my request several times, right? And, and so then I did what, what I think probably most of us dudes do. I got angry. I was angry with myself for being so gullible, and I was angry with that joker that gave me the sales pitch. Because why? Because he preyed on some innocent kids and, uh, you, you know, simply for what? Just to so get a few extra bucks in commission, right? Like, I'm just like, dude, you lack integrity, right? And, and then, so what I did after, after all that, I lastly, somebody say lastly, I prayed. I prayed right after, right? I tried to talk my way out of it after, right? I, I got angry and said a bunch of things that I shouldn't have. Like, at, at that point, then I prayed and I asked God to bail me out of the situation that I had foolishly gotten myself into. I know you've never done that. So listen, at that point, what did God do? Did he move heaven and earth for me? Did he, did he blow up that gym? No, no, he, you know, he, did, he, did, he didn't kill the salesman. He, did, you know, he didn't do any of that stuff, right? Uh, literally, he, he, he didn't do a thing. Man. So there I was, right, newly married and stuck in a three-year gym membership, this gym that I now refuse to go to because I was so disgusted with how the whole event went, literally. So for three years, I never entered the building again, right? And so for three years, man, I ate a lot of ramen noodles, and I ate a lot of bologna sandwiches, bless the Lord Jesus. And, and as, we, as we paid, literally, for the consequences of our poor decision. So here's the cool part, though, about all this, because... I got to give you the other side, it is literally, even though God didn't bail me out the way that I wanted him to, the reality is for the next couple of years, I did what I know how to do according to the Bible, and I live by faith, right? And I still, every month when I got my paycheck, the first check that we wrote out was to the church, right? To give to God our tithe and offerings. And we said, okay, God, we're giving it by faith. And here's what's so awesome for the next three years, and he's continued to do so even to this day, he has supernaturally provided for us. Literally over that three years, you did the math with me a while ago. I don't know how we paid any of our bills, but yet we never missed a payment. We didn't starve to death, clearly. And, and today I'm just sitting here going, man, I'm, I'm so thankful that my one stupid decision didn't cancel out the covenant and the promises of God. Amen. That's mercy. <laughs> Amen. So, but I think as I sit back and I look back at that situation, you know, almost 20 years later, I can't help but to wonder, could, could our situation been different, dare I say even better or maybe even easier, if I would have just been willing to pray first, right? If I'd have been willing, please don't miss this, to make prayer my first response rather than my last resort. Like how different would our lives have been if we would have made Prayer, our first response, rather than our last resort. It had been significantly different. 
So, you know, as I share that story today, I'm, I'm 100% positive that I could easily just hand this mic and we could pass it down and every single person could tell us their story of where somewhere along the line that they reacted out of their emotions before they prayed or they made a decision out of what they wanted, what they desired, uh, you know, apart from God before they prayed. Like everybody in here has got a story. True. Yes, so, so if you can with me, just imagine for a moment, how different would your life be and your relationships be if you would have just decided to pray first rather than consulting God second like I did with some, I, I've done all that I know how to do, God, so I guess I'm going to pray now kind of attitude, right? Kind of acting like God is some, you know, when all else fails, last resort, his job is to bail me out kind of God. So, as I've been praying about this over the past few days, my, my heart keeps being led to a portion of Scripture in 1 Samuel chapter 30. I'm sure it's a familiar passage of Scripture for many of you in the room, uh, but I want us to look at it read it together. It says this, starting in verse 1. We're going to read verses 1 through 6. It says, Three days later, when David and his men arrived home at their town in Ziglag, they found that the Amalekites had made a raid into the Negev and Ziglag, and that they crushed Ziglag and burned it to the ground. What's it talking about? Basically, this is where David lived, and while he was off doing his thing, the enemy rolled in and destroyed and wiped out uh, basically his home and all of his fellows' homes. Okay, all, In other words, all the people that ran with him. And then it says this. It says, in verse 2, it says, They had carried off the women and children and everyone else, but without killing anyone. It says, When David and his men, obviously returning home, surely expecting to be greeted by their wives and children. It says, instead, they saw the ruins and realized what had happened to their families, and they wept until they could weep no more. Verse 5 says, David's two wives were among those captured. Now, here's what I want us to see. Here's the part that I kept getting drawn to. Verse 6 says, David was now in great danger. Why? Because of all of his men were very bitter about losing their sons and daughters, and they began to talk about stoning him. Uh oh. Now watch these next words. But David, somebody say, but David. But David found strength in the Lord his God. So watch this. As I as I begin to read that scripture again, I, I saw that you know what this passage actually reveals to us, uh, you know, the two options, the only two options that every one of us have in this life. And it shows us people choosing the two options. So listen, on one hand, we see David's mighty warriors, right? We know these guys are the, the men that not only honored David, but they also readily followed him and served alongside of him in many, many, many battles, right? Uh, we see that these guys made the decision or, cho- decision or chose the option to, to base their decision off their emotions, right? Which was to not only blame David, but it was to kill him as well. So if we can, let's just kind of pause here for a moment because for there's something I want us to see. Think about this emotional reaction here. If they would have followed through with their plan, what would have been the outcome? What would they have accomplished? Like David would have been dead, and they would have maybe felt justified about it. But, but guess what? When the dust settled, they would still just be sitting there, and their situation wouldn't have changed a bit. Y'all see that? So, so listen, they would have still lost their families. They would still lost everything that belonged to them. So, so what 
you know, so what was this decision like? What, what, you know, and the end of the day, I'll just say it this way. Was this decision to, to, you know, based out of reactions, out of all these emotions, was it a wise decision? Like, was this a wise decision to go off my emotion? What if he'll let me do this? So watch this. But on the other hand, rather than acting or reacting like everyone else around him, David decided to do what? Pray first. And what was the outcome? If you continue to read down the portion of Scripture, you find that David went and inquired of the Lord, and it says that God spoke to him and actually told him what to do with his men. The very people that wanted to kill him, David said, God said, no, I want you to do this. I want them to go with you, and here's what you're going to do. And, and so what happened was is they went and they reclaimed everything that had been stolen from them. Every, every wife, every child, every piece of their belongings, they got it all back. So, so we got to stop and go, was praying first a wise decision? That's when you say yes. 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 Why? Because prayer changed everything. Amen? So, so in my opinion, from this portion of Scripture, like the, the question that's begging to be answered is what was the main difference between David and his men? I think it all boils down to one word that I'm hoping that drills down and gets in our spirit this morning. And that one word is simply this, is priority. It's priority. While David's men made their emotions priority, David chose to make prayer his priority. They chose to react first, David chose to pray first. And as we can see through that scripture, it's really, it's really easy to see which priority brought about the best results. Right? And so, so listen... How do we learn from this? We got to go, okay, well, what has produced the best results in my life? When I've made decisions off my emotions, when I've made decisions independently apart from God, or when I've made decisions after prayer? Yeah? So the reason is, is because when we pray first, it always sets up you and I to receive God's will and God's best for our lives. If I could just simply ask you a question, like how many of us in this room uh, actually want God's best and God's will for our lives? Like how many of us, right? Like most of us in this room want God's best for our lives. And I could just say, me too. So if that's the case, then maybe we should pray first. Such a simple lesson, yeah? So in my opinion, when it comes to this topic, right? Like, so we're starting this five-part series. And when you talk about, begin to talk about this topic or this subject of prayer, uh, it can be pretty head-scratching when you think about God's people praying. Okay, and I, go, I know you go, well, well why does it seem head-scratching? It's head-scratching because I have yet to meet a person that is truly saved that doesn't know that they should be praying. Like, like there's a holy God that is beckoning every single one of us to come be with him. Right? That, like, Jesus died on the cross, so you and I could have a relationship. And all of us know that. We know that relationship begins with prayer. Right? So, but isn't it funny that even though we know that, how many of us still choose to A, not do it, or B, to just pray short prayers so we don't feel guilty? Right? So, so what happens is, is because we know what we should do and we don't do it. The Bible does say that sin, by the way. But because we know what to do and we don't do it, it creates an incredible amount of tension within us. Because God's pulling and our flesh is running. Am I making sense to you all? So over the years, 
if I could just give you a few things. I'm going to give you a, a few uh, actual things that I've heard again and again and again and again after 26 years of walking with Jesus of why people say that they don't pray and why people say prayer is not a priority. And what I want to do is I want to give you the thought that they say and then I want to give you kind of maybe a rebuttal to it. Fair enough? All right, here's the first one. As I've heard people say, and I actually mentioned this a few weeks ago, but I've heard people say, well, I believe God is sovereign, so I don't think my prayers can really make a difference. So why should I pray? So I just think this, gang, if that was true, if that's really the case, that, that God doesn't answer prayers, right? That he's sovereign, he's just going to kind of do what he wants to do. Then if that's the case, then there wouldn't be a single recorded prayer in the Bible. Like, we wouldn't even need Psalms. Just rip it out, Right? So, so, but listen, when you and I read the Bible, we see example after example after example of people like Abraham, Moses, Nehemiah, David, Paul, and guess what? Even Jesus himself praying. Why? Because all of them knew prayer changes things, right? So the, the book of uh, James actually tells you and I this, right? It says that the prayers of righteous men and righteous women, that their prayers are powerful and effective, Right? They're powerful and effective. To do what? To change things. Amen? The second thing I've heard year after year after year is this. Is God has too much on his plate to be bothered by my little old request. Y'all ever heard that one? Listen, I think this. We need to remember who we're talking to when we pray. Right? God is not only all-powerful. He's not only all-knowing. He's not only ever-present. But he also said he is our Father and he has declared that he is interested in every single area of our lives. If he wasn't interested to, to bother with our little old prayers, then he would have never told us not to be anxious about anything, but in all things. Somebody say all things. In all things, present your request to him. So what's he trying to tell us there? He's saying this, is that if he couldn't handle the workload of everybody praying, then he would say, hey, man, can, can, can you maybe schedule an appointment for Tuesday? I got too much on my plate right now. Right, like I can probably slide you in between, uh, you know, one o'clock and one o three, because there's a lot of people praying, right? But but listen, so we have to we have to increase our our uh, picture of who God is. Like we don't need to make him small. Like God, literally millions of people could be praying at the same time, and He can handle the workload. Amen. The next thing I've heard is this: is I've heard people say, "Well, I would like to pray, but I feel unworthy to talk to God." Somebody say unworthy. Listen, if you've ever felt unworthy, I want you to know that you're not alone. Okay, like, like the truth is, is in and of ourselves, please don't miss this, in and of ourselves, there's not a single one of us in this room that's worthy to come before a holy God. Right, like, like you understand why Isaiah said in Isaiah chapter 6, Woe is me, for I'm a man of unclean lips, and I live among people that are unclean. In other words, we understand that our lack of holiness and holiness, it doesn't blend well. Okay, but, but the good news is, is this, is you and I, uh, we have the opportunity to look beyond ourselves and to look to the blood of Jesus that covers us and the sacrifice that's been made for us and the veil that's been ripped for us and the invitation to come before the throne of grace. We can look at all of that and understand that that makes us worthy. It's him, right? See, that's why the Bible tells you and I in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 21, that he who knew no sin became sin so that you and I might become the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. 
See, it's the fact that that righteousness, that's what gives us access to the throne. The next thing I've heard is simply is this. I've heard people say, well, I would pray, but, but I think it's so boring. I just feel like I'm talking to a wall. When I hear that, this is the salty side of me. I just kind of think, well, maybe God feels the same about you. I probably hurt somebody's feelings there. In other words, he's like, you know, I keep trying to talk to you, but I feel like I'm talking to a wall too. Sounds mean. Listen, if you've ever, if you've ever felt that way, and there, there's been times in my life where I felt like prayer is boring, so I'm, I'm kind of maybe picking on you there where I feel like I haven't, you know what it's like. You're like, oh, I'm just going through the motions here. I think we all hit that spot at one point or another and that's really a space where our roots get to go deeper, right? So, so that's part of the process. But, but, but I want to say this. If we are in a sustained position of I don't want to pray because it's boring, I feel like I'm talking to the wall, the truth is, okay, is that is rooted in the spirit of unbelief. That I feel like I can actually go into prayer and first of all, I'm thinking God maybe isn't hearing me and that he's not going to do anything about it. And so there's a lie that I'm living from in the basis of prayer there, right? So, so, so listen, I just want to remind you what Paul said in Ephesians. He simply said this. He said that our God would do exceedingly abundantly and beyond more than you and I could ever hope or imagine or think. I'm giving you several different translations there shoved in one. But, if, but listen, if we actually go to prayer and we know that God can do the impossible, don't you think that that has the ability to blow apathy right out of your spirit? Like prayer no longer, let, let me maybe say this so I can just get more practical. If, if prayer is boring, then more than likely you're the type of person that prays simply for yourself. Okay, because when you begin to lift your eyes up and get on the harvest field and you begin to go, God, would you move here? God, we need you here. God, I pray for so-and-so. God, man, there's something that comes in there that, that there's this faith-filled perspective that just breathes life into your spirit and prayer becomes fun. Because why? Because you're getting a partner with God. Yeah. Amen? The next thing that I've heard before is this. I've heard people say, well, I wish I could pray, but I just don't have enough time. Like, I think a lot of us can relate with that. A lot of us are super, super busy. I get it. Um, but, but I just want to say this. When I think about that statement, and I have felt the pressure of that statement, it, it is simply this. I'm so grateful that I've never went to God one time in the 26 years I've been serving him, and God said, hold up, hold up, hold up. I'm too busy to listen to you today. Like, he's never done that to me one time. He's never done that to you. And so there's got to be something inside of us that goes, you know what, I need to learn how to make time. You know, I love what Martin Luther said. He simply said, I'm too busy not to pray. So when you're really about God's business, and you're really about God's work, you realize that you can't do what you've been called to do in your own power, so it drives you to your knees, so you have to pray. Like, I'm going to go ahead and flat out tell you, every man that's in this room, you cannot be the husband that you need to be or the father you need to be without the grace of God. Great reason to pray. Every woman in this room, you cannot be the wife you need to be or the mother you need to be without the grace of God. Make room to pray. See, at the core of this, it says how no matter how busy we are, it maybe it's time that we begin to seek first, right? Like the whole point, we need to seek first because uh, when you really get down to it, like nowhere do you find in the heart of God that he wants to be treated as some spiritual SOS, 
right? That, that somehow a cry for help when my car breaks down, when my bank account's empty, when that scary medical test comes back, or when my kid falls off the wagon. It, it's not that he's not interested in any of that. It, it's just that Jesus died to have a relationship with you, not to be your crisis hotline. Okay? So the next one I've heard over the years, probably the most, is, is I've heard people say this. I, I, don't, I don't pray because I don't know how to pray. I don't know how to pray. Now, now listen, out of all of those reasons, that's the one that grabs my heart the most. And the reason is, is because if you've ever given your life to Jesus and you decided to take step one, man, you don't know how to pray. <laughs> right? So, so I, like I think back to when I first gave my life to Jesus, learning how to pray was as awkward and as unfamiliar as me trying to learn a foreign language. Like it was difficult. And truth is, as I would show up at church, because I knew I was supposed to be there, and people were using words I've never heard of in my life. I'm saved, sanctified, washed in the blood of the Lamb. Ha! I'm like, you're what? Who's covered in blood? What are you talking about? Right? Like redemption, sanctification, propitiation. I'm like, what are these people talking about? Am I the only one, or were you born with that religious cyclopedia? Because I didn't have it, right? Anyways, so, so then there was times I would sit back and I would watch people pray and I'd be amazed, man, as they grabbed the mic, stood up front, whatever, and they prayed with confidence and they prayed with ease. And, I, and in those moments, I thought to myself, man, prayer must be a spiritual talent. You know, it's almost like somebody's got an athletic ability, artistic ability, right? Maybe they got a music ability. Maybe they're quick sense of humor. Maybe they got mechanical skills. You know, those kind of people tend to, they tend to kind of have it or they don't. Right? They're born with it or they're not. And I just thought, well, maybe spiritual talent's kind of like that, and I'm just one of those that don't have it. You ever felt that way? <laughs> so, so listen, but I personally found this, okay, if I can kind of retract here a little bit, is that most people are learning how to pray, don't feel super confident in their prayers. In other words, I realized one day I wasn't the only one that felt that way, and that was quite, quite relief, right? So... Unfortunately, here's what I found, okay, is, is this, is even though we all start at the same place, some of us move forward and some of us remain. Some of us scoot up a little bit, some of us shoot up like, like there's no, well, well, why is all of that? And, and I see, I think there's, at the core is that when we're all at that stage, it's awkward. <laughs> you know, it's no different than a baby trying to walk, a baby trying to talk, like it's all awkward, right? So, so things don't function right. The dexterity is not there. And, and so what happens is it's just kind of part of the spiritual development. And, and the reason is is because people feel awkward. Sometimes they, they pray very little or they don't pray at all versus the people that just press in anyways, right? So, so I think that's rooted in this truth. And, and bear with me here for a minute. So if it's just prayer or any subject, what I've found about people in general is that most of us don't like doing things consistently that we don't feel like we're good at. Okay, we don't like feeling embarrassed and we don't like feeling like we're a failure. And so if you bring all that into praying, then guess what? I'm not going to pray because even if I'm a private, I feel embarrassed. And guess what? I feel like a failure, so I'm not going to do it. And what happens is, is once again, all these different people, different phases, there's people that have the ability to go, forget it, I'm going to go anyways. I don't care if I, if I sound like an idiot, I'm going to still go. Okay, and then there's people that let their pride, let's be what it is, get the best of them and they remain. Okay, and the problem is those people who remain, they cut their spiritual development, spiritual growth, they cut it short. 
it's no different than this, right? A while ago, I talked about a baby. Can you imagine? So I got, I got an 18-month-old kid at the house right now. She's beautiful, gorgeous. I love her, right? And, but you know what? She, she didn't like decide one day, look at me and go, Papa, I'm going to walk now, <laughs> right? Right? Like she got up, wobbled, she fell, she did all that, right? But she didn't stop. And sometimes you just got to have that spiritually, you, you know, there's that spot where Jesus says, if you want to come into the kingdom, you got to be like a child. Well, there's a lot of implications in that. But I think part of it is, is kids just, they just don't really care what they sound like. They just go for it, right? I got five kids, five of them at all different ages, and I can have a different levels of conversation with each one of them, right? I got one that's got about 20 words, and I got one that don't stop talking, <laughs> Right? And so I got some in the middle. I'm like, how, how, how much can we talk about Minecraft and Fortnite? I really don't care, right? But, but, but that's where we, we got to go, right? And, and so anyways, but the same thing happens in prayer. God will meet us where we're at. He's a good dad. I, I don't, I don't, I've never looked at Luke and said, you know what, boy, when you get a little older, I'll talk to you. You get a little better. You, you know, I've never looked at Jude. Jude, when you can say your R's right, I'll talk to you. I think you Mainers are messing him up, by the way. Tainting my boy. Anyways, all right, let me get on with this. I'll just say this. Um, there's only one way to learn how to pray, and that's to pray. The disciples clearly in Luke 11, Jesus teaches how we ought to pray, that we ought to pray. So the bottom line is, is that we just got to pray. That's how we learn. And so anyways, it's in that that we begin to learn that this thing called prayer, it's not about talent it's about heart right and that's where we learn that you can take two people you can take a a country bunkin that just loves jesus with everything that's in him and that maybe utters a simple statement out from the depths of his being that thing touches heaven way more than a guy that's got 15 degrees and can articulate and do all these things if he's praying out of his head that thing's going nowhere so once again it's not about talent it's about heart do you have a heart to pray then you're good to go all right, let me give you one more additional thought here, okay? Another reason why I think a lot of people don't want to pray, y'all please hear me, is because of this three-letter word called sin. Rather than taking their lack of holiness into the presence of a holy God, they just remain at a distance. And it's even this way, I kind of give it twofold, is there's times in our lives when we want what we want and we really don't want to know what Jesus thinks about it. So what do we do? I'm not going in there. Because he's going to tell me something I don't want to hear. Anybody ever had Jesus tell you something you didn't want to hear? If you didn't raise your hand, you ain't prayed enough. Because <laughs> I've heard many, many things over the years that I didn't want to hear. There's something that I wanted that wasn't in the will, and I had to comply. Right? And so I just think if we can maybe, maybe stop for a minute and realize that, you know what, that you and I have the opportunity to come into the presence of a holy God. And, and it's not, you know, in that spot where he's like, man, trying to beat us over the head. But the reality is you got to understand the heart. He's trying to get us to a place of holiness because a place of holiness is a place of wholeness. Okay, and, and so God has someone that he wants you and I to be. 
And the reality is, is the sin that we don't want to get rid of or how we don't want to change hinders us from becoming who he's called us to be. But he's gracious, he's kind, he's patient, he's forgiving, and he wants to literally say, come to me, guess what, and I'll help you change, I'll transform you so you can do what I've called you to be, do what I've called you to do. It'll come out there. All right, everybody with me? All right, so, so let's turn the page here real quick. Um, I think if you and I where we're currently at today, whether if that's a healthy prayer life or an unhealthy prayer life, an active or inactive, uh, like if we want to get where we're at to where God's called us to be, there's two verses that you and I got to grab a hold of with all of our hearts. The first one is this, it's Acts 2 verse 42. Simply says this, all the believers, are you a believer in here? Okay, it says this, all the believers devoted themselves. Somebody say devoted. If they devote themselves, what do they devote themselves to? The apostles' teaching, it's doctrine, it's Bible. Okay, and to fellowship, that's community. And sharing in meals, that's eating good fried chicken. Amen. And the Lord's Supper. I thought that spiritual thing in there. All right. And then the last thing it says, and to prayer. So if we can shorten it, all the believers devoted themselves to prayer. So this literally means that they intentionally set aside uninterrupted time for prayer. Right? That they were attentive about it they were serious about it they were specific about it they persevered in it right and the reason is is because it was of great importance or we could say what we're talking about today it was a priority that's why they devoted themselves to prayer the second verse i think we got to grab a hold of is this is once we've made that decision to vote ourselves is to do what really the only three words are in first thessalonians 5 7 it's just three words Five seventeen. it says pray without ceasing pray without ceasing now, I don't know about you, but those three words sound kind of scary. But if I can kind of bring what I think that, that those words mean, I think it simply means this. It doesn't mean that you and I walk around going, Jesus, 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 Holy Spirit, thank you, Lord. Touch him, touch him. Fire of heaven, touch. Jesus, move. Yes, Lord, get her. Okay, it, that's, not, that's not, right, like that's not what it's talking about. Okay, uh, so, and it doesn't mean that you kind of like stop functioning in life. Most of us in the room got jobs. So we got a job. We can't just stop doing what we're doing, uh, you know, just to go pray. We got to eat. I just look and see how many people like to eat. All right, here we go. So, but at the core of the scripture, here's what it's really talking about. It's talking about the posture of a person's heart as much as talking about the frequency of their prayers. So, so it's all about staying in this, this constant state of readiness. It's about staying connected in tune with the heart of God throughout the day, right? So at any moment, guess what? We are ready to pray. Okay, that's really what it's about. Okay, so, so with the idea of being devoted and the idea of being continuously praying, what I want to do quickly is I want to give you 11 reasons. I'm going to move through these things quick. So if you can, just kind of write them down, take, type them out, whatever you got to do, take a note of 11 reasons of why you and I should make prayer a priority. Once again, this may be basic to some. It may be the latest revelation for others, uh, but it's a good reminder. Here we go. The first reason we need to pray is because it connects us with God. It connects us with God. Like, have you ever thought about why Jesus prayed so much? Like, a few examples, like we know through the Gospels, there's like 36 recorded prayers of Jesus praying. Like, he prayed in private, man. He prayed in public. He prayed all night before choosing his disciples. He prayed before healing people. He prayed after healing people. He prayed when he fed the 5,000. He prayed when he was arrested in the garden. He prayed when he was on the cross. Like, Jesus was always praying. So, like, why was he praying? There was only one reason why he prayed, y'all. is so that he could stay connected to the Father. That was it. 
Okay, So if we realize or not, all of these examples that we have throughout the Gospels reveal how Jesus made prayer a priority over activity. Please hear that. He made prayer a priority over activity. So often we get going and want to do good things for God and we forget to pray. But Jesus never put ministry before relationship. Right? And so I, I just think this, that we never see Jesus. Let me just call it like it is and bring it to our world. We never see Jesus doing something first and then praying about it later to see if it was a good idea. He never got the cart before the horse. Like so often, you and I launch into some endeavor, and then about three weeks in, we go, hey, Jesus, what do you think about this? Don't act like you've never done it, right? I did it literally the other day. I literally, God, do you want me to? Uh, I didn't wait for an answer. I just jumped. And then I was about two seconds in, was like, that was stupid. Shouldn't have did it, <laughs> right? So I think this, it's like when we look at Jesus, it's like, okay, on the contrary, like he didn't, he didn't act first and pray later. He always sought God's guidance in prayer, and then he did what the Father told him to do, which simply meant this, that instead of connecting with the world first, he disconnected from the world so he could connect with the Father so that he could re-enter into the world and have something to give. Okay, and so we need to learn from that. So the single point I want to make here is this. If you, if you have Jesus, who's God in the flesh, the perfect son of God, needing to pray that much, how much more do you think you and I need to be devoted and learn how to pray continuously so we can stay connected with the Father? Yeah, like we need it, right? And so I, I think it's this. If we can just remember it's through prayer, man, that's where our faith is fresh. That's where our faith is vibrant. That's where it stays healthy. That's where it stays alive. When we don't pray, man, things begin to die. So we need to learn how to interweave an active prayer life all throughout our day. Here's the second reason we need to make prayer a priority. is because it's there in the prayer closet where God meets our needs. Let me give you two verses. Matthew 7, 7, and 8. It says, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives the one who seeks finds, and to the one who knocks, the door will be open. Remember what Jesus said. He said, you, you have not because you ask not, right? Philippians 4.19 says this, and my God will meet all your needs. Somebody say, oh, not a single one he can't meet. He meets all your needs according to the riches of his glory in Christ Jesus. So, so if we can get in our heart, like deep down, that God in his infinite wisdom chose, decided that guess what, where our prayers are, where our needs are met, uh, it's really in one place. It's in, the, it's in the prayer closet. That's it. The third reason we should make prayer a priority is because this is where God comforts us in difficult times. It's where he comforts us in difficult times. Like we need to remember that he wants to be close to us, right? There's not a single person in this room that doesn't, if I can not, like stop for a minute, there's not a single person in this room that that doesn't deal with difficult things. Right? Life is full of crisis. Life is full of awful stuff. Right? We live in a fallen world. Okay, So there's stuff that, that's not a representation of heaven that all of us have to contend with. Okay, but So we have to remember, though, that even in the midst of all of that, he still wants to be close to us. Like He still wants us to talk to him. He still wants us to ask for help. He still wants us to trust him with our disappointment, our pain, our heartache, our mourning, our trials. Like, he is not scared of our emotions, guys. Okay? Like, some of us are so afraid. We think we got to have it all together. No, 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 no. If you're having a rough day, go in there and cry. Okay? If you have a bad, go in there and scream. I don't care. Just go in there. Right? So, so think about this for a moment. 
Jesus told you and I to clearly to come alongside one another and mourn with those who mourn and rejoice with those who rejoice. Why would he tell us that if he's not willing to do that too? So in the prayer closets where God will literally come and he'll mourn with you. Yeah? The fourth reason is this, really simple. It's because it's there through prayer. That's where our sins are forgiven. See, 1 John 1, 9 says, If we confess our sins, where? In the prayer closet. He is faithful and just and will forgive us of our sins and purify, right? That's the holiness part. He'll purify us from all unrighteousness. The fifth reason is this, is because in, through prayer, that's where God strengthens us in time of temptation. So think back to the model prayer that Jesus gave us just for a moment in Matthew chapter 6. Let's look at it together. It simply says this, this is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also forgive our debtors. Like we all get that. Now watch this last part. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. How does that work? Let me get really practical. The more time I spend with Jesus, and there's people in this room I've talked, I've had this conversation and you've watched in your own life. The more you spend time with Jesus in the prayer closet, the more you get in his presence, get in his glory, what happens is when you come out and there's a temptation to sin, if I've been locked up in there, I go, okay, <laughs> what, I don't want that. Because that's too good to sell it out for that. So what happens though is if I've been avoiding this and that pops, whoa, like moth to a flame. That's how it works, Right? So the sixth reason is this. Sixth reason we should make prayer a priority is because it's there where God guides us. So remember what we read earlier in 1 Samuel chapter 30, right? We, we know that all hell's breaking loose. David's men are wanting to kill him, and he went and prayed, and God spoke to him and told him what to do. So at the end of the day, man, if he did it for David who was under the old covenant and we're in the new covenant with better promises, what it says in Hebrews, how much more would us to have the Holy Spirit in us who is the guide, right? How much more would he not also speak to us? If he did it for David, he'll do it for us. So we got to expect God to speak to us. If we don't go in prayer, let, let me say this. If you don't believe God speaks, you go in there and you have your monologue, <laughs> You run down your list. But if you believe God speaks, you go in there in your hearts to have a dialogue. Right? And you don't get in a hurry. You, you know the art of the pause. You ask a question. You wait for an answer. You go, God, what's in your heart? What do I need to see about this that I don't know? What do I need to do about this? And you begin to ask a lot more questions and you make requests when you understand that there's a dialogue. The older I get, the, the quieter I am in the prayer closet and the more questions I ask in the prayer closet. When I was a young guy, I'd just go in there and rattle off my list and scream and holler. Y'all don't holler up here, do you? All right. <laughs> Seventh reason we should make prayer a priority is because of this. It's because that's where God protects our hearts from fear and anxiety. See, it's there with true, genuine, heartfelt prayer. It's there where God keeps our hearts anchored to his truth. And he allows us to have this faith-filled perspective that frees us from the cares of this life. Like, have you ever met someone that all hell's breaking loose and it seems like they're not even bothered by it? That's why, right? Philippians 4, 6, and 7, let's read it together, together again. It says, do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. And what happens when you do that? And the peace of God, right, prayer closet, which transcends all understanding of everything that's going on, right, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus.
Let me say something to help somebody out real quick. There's people in this room that you've been carrying stuff for a really, really, really long time. And I want you to know that the number one place to offload your burden and your cares, it's in the prayer closet. It's not on Facebook. I'm not saying that to be funny. It's not on Facebook. It's not on Instagram. It's not calling your, your girlfriend and talking for another three hours on the phone about the same issue that you spent the last six months talking about. It's literally about going to the prayer closet and learning what it says in 1 Peter 5, 7, casting your cares upon him. That's where we allow the burdens of life that are crushing us to roll off of us and onto him because he's the one that's already born on the cross. Amen? That's where the divine exchange, I give him burdens, he gives me peace. Thank God that it goes that way and not the other direction. Amen? So the eighth reason that we need to make prayer a priority is because this, is because it's there where God gives us courage and confidence. Have you ever faced a situation where you're just afraid? Okay, a few of us. That's good. Some of us need to take more risk. <laughs> so I'm telling you, when you step out there with, with Jesus, and um, he's going to take you to some areas you're not comfortable in. Okay? There's been plenty of times where I have walked into situations and I have been uh, in, in knots. I've been so nervous. Anxiety, fear, fighting all that stuff. And it's funny, there, there's times where I have... Uh, responded and reacted and made decisions out of those emotions and they never go well. And then there's times where I remember what we're talking about today and I go get with Jesus in the prayer closet and I say, God, I need you to touch me or maybe I'm just walking. I'm about to go in that Jesus. I need, I stop for a minute. I need your, your help. And what happens is there's a beautiful exchange. My fear goes up and his confidence comes down. Insecurities go out the window. Security comes. And what happens in those moments, man, I become from this little guy that feels like this on the inside to hear bold as a lion. You know why? Because there's this thing that comes on me from there to there. It's called the anointing. Right? That allows me to do what God's called me to do. Amen? Because the reality is there's not a single one of us in this room can do what God's called us to do without the anointing. The ninth reason we should make prayer a priority is because it's there in the prayer closet where healing comes. I'm trying to tell you that, listen, the, the, more, the longer I'm here, the more I realize people need healing. Okay? That, that literally, that so many people, like I am blown away by how many people filter stuff through their pain and how much it just is wrecking people's lives and doing damage. People love God, but it's destroying their relationships and it's destroying their peace and destroying their joy because everything's filtered through something that happened 10 years ago. Listen, I'm trying to tell you, when you go in there and you get with God and you get quiet, and you get quiet, His healing hand will come and it will touch any area where you need to be healed. Like, y'all need to believe that. Like, if that's physical healing, yes, it's mental healing, it's emotional healing, and spiritual healing. Like Jesus can, can heal you. Like, like how many times do we have to tell somebody that that church hurt me? How many times do we got to say, well, that's what happened to me when I was five years old? Like nobody's denying that, nobody's belittling that, nobody's trying to take compassion away from that. We're just trying to say at the end of the day, Jesus hasn't called you to paint that thing like a stake in the ground that now identifies your entire life. Let his healing power identify your life and become a victor instead of a victim. Amen? The tenth reason that we should make prayer a priority is because this, is because it gives us the power of the Holy Spirit. 
Listen, I, there's no way I would want to live in the day and age we're living in without the power of the Holy Spirit in me. Right? But he has set up that, guess what, that we receive the power of the Holy Spirit through prayer. Look at Luke 11, please. It says, how much more will your Father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to those who what? Ask him. So when did the Holy Spirit fall on the day of Pentecost on the 120 people in the upper room? It just so happened to be when they were in prayer. So God has set up in his infinite wisdom, that's how it happens, right? I'm not putting him in a box because I've seen it happen in other ways. But listen, if you don't have the power of the Holy Spirit, the baptism of the Holy Spirit, then you need to begin to ask God for it. Amen? The 11th reason we should make prayer a priority is because prayer, this is our last one, okay? And this is a fun one because it allows us to partner with him to change the world. Once again, God, expand our vision for prayer. Give us a greater vision than just praying about the needs that I need today or the wants that I want today, right? To understand that literally that when you and I pray, our prayers have the ability to literally touch anyone anywhere around the world, right? That our prayers aren't limited geographically, man, truth be known, they are not even limited in time. If you can grab a hold of this fat, grandma that's praying, grandpa that's praying, man, your prayers have the ability to outlive you, Right? They can touch generations to come. And I just think this, I, you know, we do it all the time. We pray for things around the world. Why? Because we believe our prayers can reach it. Yeah. Why? We, we believe our prayers can go into any home, any situation, any person's heart. We believe our prayer can change history. We believe they can make a difference. And all I'm trying to tell you through all of this, man, is like if we really believe that, then we would stop and understand that God is calling. Like there's a, there's a clarion call going out, going out to the body of Christ that he is calling ordinary Christians like you and like me to simply become mighty in prayer. Like I don't know what comes to your mind when you hear those 11 reasons, uh, but, but when I stop and I think about those things and I think about what prayer gives me access to, okay, I can't help but to think about, y'all, please don't miss this, how foolish that I would be if I wouldn't make prayer a priority. <laughs> like, wouldn't that be foolish to have access to all of that and never tap into it? That, that's like me saying, you know, somebody here that doesn't have a car, hey, look, man, we got you a brand new vehicle out there, man, that, that's what you've always dreamed of, and we never give you the keys. Right? So, so no, no, listen, he's giving you the keys. He's actually giving you the keys to the kingdom, to bind and to loose, okay? That's all prayer, right? So, so I just think if we, can, if we can maybe take this into a spot, obviously, everyone in this room should have a personal time that's that's not shallow, but it's, de it's devoted, once again, where we spend quality time with him, where we pray and we interact with all these things that we're talking about. But the good news is, is, is these things don't have to just stay in that one allotted time. Because God's not, you understand that we don't just connect with God in a 30-minute in a time span and he runs from us for the rest of the day. No, no, it says goodness and mercy pursue me all the days of my life. He's with me. He's following me, right? And so to understand that moment, then I can ask anything at any moment and have access to all those things we're talking about. So my life, yes, has times where I, a lot of times for prayer, but guess what? All throughout the day, I'm saying a little quick one line, two line, three line paragraphs, prayers, literally all throughout the day. I'm not saying all this because I'm an expert in this. I'm just trying my best to do it, right? And so, so how do we bring this? You know, once again, if we say that he's interested in, 
every area of our lives, then maybe we should bring this into every area of our lives. Right? And so what happens is when you wake up, you should pray. Before you go to bed, pray. Right? So think about this. When, when you get ready to go out your house, to go to work, go to school, we pray. Right? So before you, you know, roll out the harbor, pray. Before you swing the hammer, go on the job site, pray. Before you cut somebody's hair, pray. Before you work on the car, pray. Whatever you're doing, before you go sit down with that person, pray. Before you call them, pray. It's like literally all throughout the days, before I click that button, pray. Right? So when I'm sitting in the, in the doctor's office, pray. While I'm waiting on the client, pray. So that's how we do it. Because why? We're, we're, the goal is to do what? It's to pray first. <laughs> Not to pray second. Right? So, so by praying first, I'll, I'll say this and we'll be done. By doing this, by making prayer our first response, not our last resort, and all these things, what we're saying to God is, is I love you, and I'm dependent upon you. That's it, right? So, so, so let me just ask this question. How different would your life be if you would just choose to pray first? Can you stand to your feet? So I simply want to challenge you today that no matter where you're at when it comes to this topic of prayer. Maybe you've never prayed a single time in your life. You know, first pray and the best prayer you could ever pray is Jesus saved me. Okay? Um, if you've been walking with God for a while, whatever it is, all I'm saying is wherever you land on this, like let's make a conscious heart decision because it's so easy, especially when you've been walking with God for a while, just kind of know how you're supposed to live and just kind of go with it and not connect as much. Man, the older we get, the more we should connect. Amen? Yeah, let's pray. Jesus, I thank you for every person that's in this room. Father, I simply trust that the words that they've heard today, that there's something in, something in there that's from you directly to them, that hopefully that they will take it to heart and, God, they will respond. And so, Lord, there's a yes in our heart. There's obedience in our heart. God, would you please help us in the name of Jesus to be people who make prayer a priority and a people who pray first. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Thank you for joining us today. Be sure to follow us on Facebook and Instagram for encouragement in your walk with God and to receive updates on events happening at The Anchor. Have a great week and God bless.